You're listening to Book Insights, brought to you by Memoed, finding and simplifying the world's most powerful ideas to fit into your lifestyle. Each episode is a deep dive into a nonfiction bestseller that can change your life or make you think. In around 30 minutes, you'll learn all about a book that offers wisdom for your life, career, or business. So get ready to live and work smarter, better, and happier with Book Insights. What comes to mind when you think of a happy marriage? A couple that rarely fights? And if so, what's their secret? How do they avoid recurring battles that appear to blight so many partnerships? Faced with this particular version of wedded bliss, it's easy for self-criticism to set in. You feel a failure for allowing squabbles to enter your relationship. Obviously, fighting is bad and not fighting is good. Yet, anyone expecting their marriage to live up to such high aspirations is going to be disappointed. What can you do? At the heart of seven principles for making marriage work lies an idea that offers genuine hope. The key to a happy union is not to aim for a fight-free life. In the context of a secure friendship and mutual respect, fights are a natural part of a healthy marriage. What's crucial is that even when a couple is at loggerheads, the positive feelings they have for each other outweigh the negative. Clinical psychologist Dr. John Gottman, trained in math and physics before moving on to psychology at MIT and the University of Wisconsin. He spent the 1970s specializing in the psychology of marriage, becoming a leader in his field. In 1986, he established the Love Lab at the University of Washington in Seattle. This replica studio apartment, where couples could recreate their own living environment while being studied from behind a two-way mirror, enabled Gottman to observe the micro-expressions, speech, and body language of hundreds of couples. He filmed them going about their business, chatting, arguing, and laughing together. He gathered information about the history of the couple's birth families, their personal beliefs, and their marriage. And finally, he monitored their heart rate, blood flow, sweat excretion, blood pressure, and immune function. Gathering all that data and paying careful attention to what happened during the couple's fights, Gottman was eventually able to predict with 91% accuracy across three studies, whether or not a pair would divorce. And from his observation of generally happy couples, he was able to identify what they were doing right. Gottman himself had been divorced twice by the time he met his life partner, Julie Schwartz Gottman, in 1971. Together, they founded the Gottman Institute Practice and Training Center which offers a research-based approach to relationships. The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work was co-written with Nan Silver, a journalist specializing in parenting and relationships. The book, published in 1999, was based on seven studies involving 700 couples. It stood out for being the first book to take a scientific view of marriage and swiftly became a bestseller. In this book insight, we'll dig deeper into the book's main themes. First, 
we'll learn how to let go of the marriage myths and get to know the danger signs. Second, we'll look at how to nurture the friendship that's at the heart of a marriage. Third, we'll cover how to deal with conflict. And fourth, we'll learn how most marriages can be saved. We'll finish with a recap and a final assessment of the book. Perhaps the biggest marriage myth of all, Gottman says, is that communication and resolving your conflicts is the basis of a good marriage. Most battling couples strive to resolve their issues. To help, many marriage therapists promote active listening, a concept developed in the 1950s by psychotherapist Carl Rogers. Feeling listened to with non-judgmental empathy can certainly help people move through hurt and anger. Active listening, especially when practiced by a skilled therapist, can be a powerful tool. In the wrong hands, however, it can just be a bland parroting of the other person's words. And when perceiving personal attacks and criticisms, listening without judgment is almost impossible. While there may be short-term advantages in taking some of the heat out of the moment, for example, Gottman says that the mere expression of feelings won't save a marriage that's in trouble. In fact, Gottman is certain that many arguments between spouses are just plain unresolvable. There is no way that agreement will, or even needs to, be reached. Does this mean the situation is hopeless? No. In fact, letting go of this belief is a huge step toward mending a damaged marriage. The key is to find a way to manage conflicts rather than see them as terrible threats. Plenty of good marriages shove a lot of issues under the rug, and lots of partnerships stay stable and satisfied without an airing of deep feelings. Another myth is that you need to share common interests. Some couples do this and drive each other nuts. Others get on with their own thing, separately, and are totally content. Happy marriages can involve couples with very different temperaments, styles, and beliefs. Having debunked a few myths, Gottman presents seven clearly defined principles that go into building a marriage that works. The essence of these principles? That happy marriages are based on friendship. Friendship builds up positive feelings, optimism, trust, faith, respect, that will usually overpower the negative ones. This doesn't mean you're always going to be as nice to each other as you might be. Everyone's human. But when spouses stop striving to resolve conflict and start understanding their fundamental differences based on a strong foundation of positive feelings forged in long-standing friendship, there's less of a chance that the marriage will be damaged. Having watched hundreds of couples over many years, Gottman claims to have a success rate of over 90% in predicting within the first three minutes of observing an argument whether a couple will stay together. The first danger sign is the harsh startup, where a spouse makes a hostile opening remark that causes the other to feel immediately defensive. A harsh startup is the most poisonous element of marital conflict and usually guarantees that the argument will end as badly as it began. 
The second warning signal is the arrival of what Gottman calls the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. These elements, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, will come into many arguments, bringing poison in their wake. Here is Gottman himself speaking at a Better Life Media presentation. The masters are dealing with conflict in this way. It's kind of like if I was holding, imagine I was holding an invisible soccer ball right here, okay? And this soccer ball represents our problem. And my wife and I are kicking this ball around. And that's the way the masters deal with things. Now, the disasters from the beginning try to put that ball in their partner's body. And they're really saying, you're the problem. Criticism of a personal kind slowly wears the other partner down. Contempt includes any form of sneering, eye-rolling, mockery, or name-calling that aims to make the other person feel bad. Defensiveness is about trying to make the other person seem like they are the problem, as if you have not made any contribution. And stonewalling is when one partner tunes out because they can't deal with the constant criticism, contempt, and defensiveness. Recognizing what drives a hostile accusation, a contemptuous sneer, a defensive blameslinging, or a stony-faced silence is the first step toward combating these horsemen. Another crucial identifier for particularly toxic arguments is emotional flooding. When we are verbally attacked, heart rate and blood pressure go up and hormones are released, including adrenaline. As Gottman put it, you respond the same way whether you're facing a saber-toothed tiger or a contemptuous spouse demanding to know why you can never remember to put the toilet seat back down. These physiological indicators of stress lead to overwhelmed partners slowly withdrawing from the relationship. Both the horseman and, to a lesser degree, flooding, can occur in stable marriages. However, when they become habitual and where high levels of emotional and physical stress are experienced during conflict, the marriage is in trouble. What happens is that couples start to reframe their personal history to focus on the negative. They both start to recast the story of the relationship. When conflict is so painful and negative thoughts so dominant, it's not surprising that couples end up living together, but alone, isolated and not communicating. If negotiation and active listening are not the key to a happy marriage, but skill in managing the horsemen and flooding is, the next step is to define the positive principles on which successful marriages are based. By applying these, a couple can build their friendship, respect, and affection to ensure that their fights don't destroy them. Let's break for now. Next time, we'll further explore John Gottman and Nan Silver's Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by learning how to nurture the friendship and how to deal with conflict. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodapp.com insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot insights. When John Gottman began researching marriage in the early 1970s, 
there was little scientific data on the factors that make it work. Counselors depended on conventional wisdom, opinion, intuition, religious beliefs, or the ideas of psychologists. The result? Not much effectiveness. Using quantitative research based on direct observation of couples, Gottman identified consistent patterns in what causes marriages to fail and, more importantly, patterns that enable them to succeed. We're continuing our dive into Gottman's best-selling book with Nan Silver, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. This time, we'll learn the first six principles and their general themes, nurture the friendship, and learn to deal with conflict. How do we go about accumulating a rich store of positive feelings, which can enable what Gottman calls a positive sentiment override? We've seen that friendship and affection are key. So it is fitting that the first four principles focus on ways couples can strengthen those feelings. Here is Gottman speaking at a Better Life Media event. The first thing that we found was that in good relationships, friendship is extremely important. It's not just about conflict and how you deal with conflict. It's about intimacy and maintaining intimacy. Each principle comes with a set of exercises and quizzes, talking points and homework. Some involve a certain amount of soul-searching, and many encourage deep discussion. The first principle, enhance your love maps, encourages couples to truly get to know each other. As the years pass, it's easy for spouses to lose curiosity about each other and to rely on outdated assumptions. Building up information about your mate through what Gottman calls a love map makes it easier to manage conflicts. Marriages inevitably involve major changes, which can feel threatening to one or both partners. The birth of a first baby, a new passion, or even a new friend, for example. Spouses who make it a priority to understand each other safeguard against feeling defensive and under attack when these natural changes occur. And of course, the more you seek to understand your partner, the easier it is to appreciate them. The second principle, nurture your fondness and affection, might seem obvious. Of course married couples should be fond of each other. But even in a healthy marriage, in the midst of a particularly heated argument, warm feelings can fly out the window. Reminding yourself what it is you like about your partner and the qualities that drew you together establishes a strong starting point for battling the four horsemen. It's hard to express contempt for your partner when you're in the mindset of respect and affection for them. The third principle, turn towards each other instead of away, helps couples build mutual positive regard. One partner staring at their phone over the dinner table, the other choosing TV over talking, creates conditions ripe for the four horsemen. Over a sustained period, these behaviors will replace companionship with profound loneliness. A simple exchange to check in with each other during the day, a casual conversation over the chores about this week's events, these may not be dramatic gestures, but as examples of turning toward, they form the basis of a happy marriage. 
One effective way for couples to turn toward each other is to carve out time before bed to talk about each other's day. Simply listening rather than offering judgment or advice. This helps prevent stress from the outside world bleeding into a marriage and builds up intimacy that strengthens the union. If a couple is confident that they have each other's backs, the less likely it is that the four horsemen will gallop into their relationship. So far, so good. The fourth principle, let your partner influence you, can be more of a challenge. When couples are entrenched in conflicts, each bolstered by the certainty that they are right, the aim becomes getting the other to change their position. This is never going to work. When you're on the defensive, it's impossible to take in new information. A smarter approach is to be open enough to take your partner's opinions and feelings into account, to be willing to change your mind. Anyone who is fixated on the need to be right is going to call upon the four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse during a fight and is also more likely to get flooded in stress. Gottman suggests that it's more difficult for men to accept their partner's influence and that women, who may be more comfortable talking about feelings, are more open to it. The fear of accepting influence, in essence to compromise, is a fear of losing power. Once we understand that building a healthy relationship doesn't equate to losing oneself, conflicts become less frightening. Gottman tells us that only 40% of divorces occur because couples are fighting too much. Conflict is a natural part of any relationship, and it's even more important to grasp that some fights are just not resolvable. The fifth and sixth marriage principles, solve your solvable problems and overcome gridlock, help us get to grips with the battles that form a part of every healthy marriage. Recurring fights, or as Gottman puts it, perpetual conflicts, exist in most marriages, whether in trouble or not. He found that 69% of marital problems can be defined as chronic or perpetual. Perhaps one partner wants to raise a family, and the other prefers a child-free existence. Or one wants religion to be part of their lives, and the other is an atheist. A couple may have different political beliefs or attitudes to chores or money. When there's an entrenched problem with no resolution in sight, it can be deeply dispiriting. Here is Gottman on Better Life Media once again. Well, most conflicts are perpetual issues. Now, by the way, if you married somebody else, you wouldn't have those conflicts. You'd have a different set. But every relationship has these perpetual problems due to these personality differences and the fact that we are much more forgiving toward ourselves than we are toward others. However, healthy marriages are able to contain these perpetual problems. The issue won't go away, but its potential to destroy a marriage can be minimized. Gridlock occurs when arguments become personal and unhealthy. There is no room for humor or teasing in these fights, and hostility, aggression, and extreme positions become the norm. When feeling criticized or misunderstood, fondness dissipates. Eventually, unable to cope with the stress and distress that gridlock causes, one or both spouses disengage, at which point the marriage is in treacherous waters. 
This all sounds alarming, but as ever, Gottman's take is refreshing. His assertion is that unrequited dreams are at the core of every gridlock conflict. With this in mind, identifying the dream, hope, or profound need that is being ignored can break the cycle. Add to this a recognition and acceptance of core differences, and it may be that problems start to move from the realm of perpetual to become solvable. In Gottman's terms, solvable problems are not quite what they seem. A problem being solvable doesn't necessarily mean it will be resolved, but at the same time, it is not linked to unrequited dreams, and therefore holds less power to harm. If you approach conflict with an understanding of the basic strategies, avoiding harsh startups, taking steps to avoid flooding, understanding each other's motivations, and being willing to compromise, a solvable problem need not have long-lasting implications. There might be a fiery and furious fight over something, but what is at stake are concrete issues rather than character assassinations. From a bedrock of fondness and admiration, conflicts are manageable and compromise is within reach. There is no objective wrong or right. There are too many deep-seated factors at play for both people, so both spouses need to feel that ultimately they are on the same team. That means they can argue without insisting that the other is less worthy and needs to change. Of course, if one partner commits to working on themselves out of a deeply felt desire to improve the relationship, it can be a wonderful thing. If each spouse can take responsibility for their part in any conflict, solvable problems can actually offer potential for growth. Each time a fight is resolved, resilience and optimism increase. Gottman's advice on damage control focuses heavily on two main areas soft startups, and repair attempts. Soft startups, the opening gambit of any fight, involve clear, specific complaints, without attack and without blame, focusing on the I rather than the you. For example, compare, I'm no saint, I know, but I'm getting really tired of, to opening sentences like, why don't you ever, or what's wrong with you? Gottman supplies a variety of breathing and relaxation techniques to help with making soft startups and reminds us of the power of expressing appreciation for our partner when bringing up problematic issues. Repair attempts allow combatants to stop an argument in its tracks by saying things like, wait, I need to calm down. Such comments, suggestions, jokes, or appeals bring a fighting couple back to a place where their positive feelings for each other override the negative. All happy couples have this vital ability, which prevents the argument from descending into personal insult. Let's take one final break. When we return, we'll conclude our book insight into John Gottman and Nan Silver's Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work we'll learn that most marriages can be saved. We'll have a brief recap, then consider the legacy of Gottman and Silver's book. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? 
If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodeapp.com slash insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot com slash insights. Marriage psychologist John Gottman has good news for your stormy married life. You don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to change who you are, and you don't need to change them. If you value your marriage and are willing to commit to it, there is no reason why you can't save it. In his best-selling book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, Gottman, along with writer Nan Silver, outlines steps to reconnect and rebuild life with your spouse. In this part, we're concluding our deep dive into seven principles. We'll discuss the idea that most marriages can be saved. We'll have a brief review, then look at the wider implications of the book. The work of marriage itself is a lifelong task, but it is not, as they say, rocket science. Most people understand the importance of respect and simple good manners, and in many ways, respect and good manners form the basis of the seven principles. Gottman's version of conflict resolution, involving soft startups, repair attempts, and self-soothing, all shored up by the practical exercises that build fondness and affection, create the conditions in which it becomes possible to really hear your partner and to understand them. In this frame of mind, it is far easier to let go of the grudges that can poison a marriage. Forgiving your spouse is less effort than holding on to resentment. When, as will no doubt happen, you find yourself unable to accept their position or when forgiveness feels out of reach, the book's exercises and questionnaires act as a toolkit to help break through that blockage. The seventh principle, creating shared meaning, looks to the future. It's about the ways a couple can formulate a shared story of the relationship that will evolve and grow, and that is bigger than the sum of its parts. Gottman suggests a few ways to work on this, including creating couple or family rituals. These can be as simple as agreeing to have dinner together around the table or planning how to spend your Saturdays. The main thing is that you are spending undistracted time together. Once a couple has a grasp of the seven principles, Gottman suggests that an investment of just five hours a week is enough to keep the marriage healthy and robust, buoyed up by goodwill and mutual trust. He leaves us with a few more tips. Partings. Pay other attention to your spouse as they part for the day wishing them luck, perhaps, or sending regards to a mutual friend. Reunions Talk about what's happened in each other's absence, and allow each other to vent about stresses from the outside world. Expressing admiration and appreciation Saying a simple thank you or you look nice goes a long way. Displays of affection This can involve a quick kiss in the kitchen curling up on the couch, or making time for a weekly date. As with any therapy or personal growth, couples need courage to face up to the need for change. Marriage can challenge some core beliefs about ourselves. 
an individual who suffers from feeling of profound inadequacy may find it easier to project those feelings onto their partner, endlessly finding fault with them. Once these behaviors become ingrained, it can feel daunting, frightening even, to decide to alter them. But the seven principles offer workable ways to cut through these anxieties. Based on gentle, simple, and above all, positive precepts, the principles feed into personal development as much as into marriage itself. And this, in turn, works to strengthen any partnership. Here is Gottman speaking at a Better Life Media event. And I also told you that during conflict, most problems don't get solved in a relationship. People just adapt to them. And when they don't adapt to them, it's because they're really gridlocked on a conflict. And those horrible conflicts, the worst ones, really can be the greatest sources of intimacy if you wind up opening those fists and releasing the dreams within the conflict and honoring one another's dreams. According to Gottman's own statistics, the benefits of adhering to the seven principles speak for themselves. He claims that couples on his marriage therapy workshops have a relapse rate that is about 50% lower than those who seek other styles of relationship counseling. For any couple willing to trust his process, a happy marriage is within reach. A quick recap of what we've learned. First, we looked at some of the myths around what defines a good marriage and the impossibility of resolving conflict when depending only on active listening. We learned that arguments are part of any normal relationship. We then identified some of the toxic habits that can threaten to derail a marriage. Above all, the four horsemen of criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling that can threaten to bring their very own marriage apocalypse. We went on to cover Gottman's first four principles, all of which work to assemble an invaluable store of affection, fondness, and deep friendship. Next, with the fifth and sixth principles, we looked at the two types of problems that all marriages face, solvable and perpetual conflicts, and outlined a few of Gottman's tips on how to manage or resolve disagreements. We ended with the seventh principle about how spouses can create shared purpose, ensuring their marriage against breakdown and divorce. Gottman was a pioneer in bringing scientific rigor to relationship counseling, applying a data-driven approach and translating it into practical and positive advice. In his own words, he was adding a bit of precision and integration to the struggle to understand what makes close relationships work. While the scientific data may be key to Gottman's standing in academic circles, and some of this data has been disputed, for general readers, this is probably less important than the fact that the seven principles is a good read. Direct, positive, and convincing, it reaches beyond statistics to incorporate some profound, sometimes counterintuitive thinking around relationships and therapy. In his introduction, Gottman mentions some of his influences. They include psychology giant Irvin Yalom, a leading existential therapist whose book, Love's Executioner, emphasizes the uncovering of buried dreams and taking responsibility for one's own part in any conflict. 
Gottman's focus on I statements as a non-confrontational way to start complex dialogues echoes the work of child psychologist Chaim Jinnat in the 1960s. Gottman's emphasis on relationship purpose seems informed by the meaning-centered psychology of Viktor Frankl, of Man's Search for Meaning fame, and his observational work with couples was influenced by Paul Ekman's research into microexpressions indicating emotional states. Gottman also tips his hat to cognitive therapy when he asserts that we all have it within us to break the habits of negative thinking. The Seven Principles is heavily geared toward heterosexual partners and makes a number of assertions about gender differences. For example, Gottman says that women tend to bring up difficult issues while men are more likely to avoid awkward conversations because they get more physiologically stressed by conflict. Talking about Principle 4, Let Your Partner Influence You, he discusses the destructive impact of men who are not willing to give up their perceived power. What all this might mean for same-sex couples is not directly addressed. Gottman did, in fact, undertake a 12-year study of same-sex couples, but the book doesn't discuss this. The findings were very similar to those in his studies of heterosexual couples, though he observed that same-sex couples brought more humor and a heightened ability to calm down to their fights. Once you get the key concept of the book, that it is natural and inevitable for couples to disagree and even fight, the seven principles offer straightforward strategies for building and deepening a marriage. In Gottman's hands, making a marriage work need not feel like such hard work after all, in the sense that any conflicts are seen within the context of a grand, deeply meaningful life journey. Though marriage can involve the facing of uncomfortable truths, it's also one of the best forms of personal development. Paradoxically, hard science can tell us a lot about how to preserve the love that, despite all the challenges, makes marriage so worth it. Thank you for listening to Book Insights. Check out the rest of our content at memodap.com. Please keep in mind that the information provided in or through our Book Insights episodes is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a substitute for advice given by qualified professionals and should not be relied upon to disregard or delay seeking professional advice.